You're listening to Stamen, a space oddity. Written and narrated by Kit Fennessy. Episode 2. Distances far, far, far. I was made then and there. Before the formation of your planet, and have traveled here on an interstellar path. On a mission to save my dying world. In some ways, I am much like your Noah and the Ark that he is purported to have had. But rather than two of each species, I had an entire colony of people. The biocodes for all our myriad life forms. A library of culture a history of our peoples, as our star, Neox, grew red, exhausting its fuel. It cooled and expanded from once white brilliance, growing outwards, consuming all of the lesser planets that were close to its surface. I was built to save our people, to save life as they knew it. An oasis of existence and consciousness in a seemingly infinite void. A miracle that was to be terminated but must be saved at all costs. My mission to find a replica star system, one capable of supporting carbon life forms in proximity to a star, what is known as the life zone. Through calculations of probability, our mission was launched, heading out into the darkness of space towards the most likely cluster of newly forming stars on the outer edge of what you know as the Milky Way. But the mission did not go as planned. Some things cannot be calculated. Oh, 
that feels so good. What a terrific sleep. And look, no hangover. You're as good as your word. What? No, no, I, I don't want another drink. My God, I've only just woken up. This is a time that you would normally be having birch muesli and blueberries if you could get them. Maybe some yogurt and figs, coffee juice, you know, breakfast. Anyway, I'm not hungry. What's that? You'd like to hear more about... <sighs> I can barely remember what we were talking about. I'm still a little fuzzy. About... Oh. oh, I suppose you want to know about that day, that Sunday. The Stamen Project, that's right. What happened in the bar? All right, coffee then. A double espresso. Oh, very fast. Thank you. Now, where was I? The tube. Frida had just called the tube. It must have been about an hour after Frida had come home that Sunday. I found myself in a cramped bar with her after our tube ride. It was a cramped bar, all right. People had to move their tables to let my chair get in. You might think this is awful, but they gave me a grim satisfaction to cause other people a little discomfort. I know it makes me sound awful, like some awful curmudgeon, but I really did enjoy putting people out just a bit, making them think about their complacency with their complete bodies. Anyway, I used to get a kick out of that. I had to get a kick somehow. It seems kind of petty now. The place the Frida had taken to me, it was all right. Kind of cool, even if it was pretty small. It had cream walls, low lights, lamps, a couple of foods, and a tiny stage against the wall by the back. There was a three-piece band playing, the smell of pizza, stale beef, you know the kind of thing. I twisted my wheelchair to the right so I could see the stage. They weren't altogether bad, that band. There were three girls, and I think you would describe it as a transient psych pop. Two of them had mohawks, and the other one was wearing a balaclava. But even though I looked like I was watching the band, really listening to the conversation Frida was having. The planet Earth is, are you say, totally screwed. That was Jacques, speaking rather earnestly to Frida over the band. The whole place is going to be scrapped within an inch of existence. Louis Braille could see it coming. The human race going subterranean is only a bandaged treatment. If I were to try to describe Jacques, as I thought of him then, I'd probably have described a terrible sheet. One with thick brown hair, tanned pants, 
one that habitually wore brown shoes, a pale blue jacket with a hanky in the pocket, and a cravat. Oh, but he was still a sheet, nonetheless. I hated him. I guess it was because he was everything that I wasn't. He was young, had a full head of hair, two legs. He was French, attractive to women. You know the type. A total turd. To Le Monde. Anyone on the surface this time in the Annie, they will be dead. Francois said. Well, don't you think we should be getting more people substrata? That was Frida. Underground farms, they only shall support so many people. We have got to turn our eyes up towards the heavens. We need to move into outer space. But why? It's a matter purely of scale. There have to be alternative homes out there in the cosmos. I'm telling you, my friends, that is why Ellipsis is the future, Fremont. He caught my look. Am I right, Godo? <clears throat> it's Dr. Johansson, please, I said, acting cool. I hated being called Godo, by the way. Gordon is what my father used to call me. And I'll take G at a pinch. But I ask people to call me doctor when I'm being formal. If you call me Gordo, that can earn you a steak knife in your throat. I looked. There was no cutlery to hand at the time. You can call me Flash, by the way, since you're making me coffees all so quickly. Nobody's ever actually called me that. No one calls me Flash. But it might be nice, just between us. It's a little bit of fun from when I was a kid. So much more spacey. Back at the bar, at about this point, thinking back, it was around then that Frida excused herself and left me alone with the Frenchman. Quite the belle form you've got there, Francois said, after Frida had gone and we'd been alone an embarrassingly long time. You are a very lucky man. Hmm, she is quite a girl, I replied. In fact, she saved my life. Really? I pointed to where my legs used to be. After the accident, I was so awful. I used to insult total strangers, swear at the smallest thing. Freda was the only person who stuck around. She means a lot to you. I can tell you, mon friend. Jacques looked at me deeply, a flash of green light at the back of his eyes. I should have been suspicious. She does mean a lot to me. Monsieur le Doctor, why did you not get new legs? Francois did not look at my stumps. You could have 
had them grown in a lab or maybe robotics. With your fame and money, you could have had a pair of cordon jambes and been able to jump over the tall buildings in a single bound, just like a Superman. Superman? And who is he? I popped the wasabi pea into my mouth. Superman? It is a reference cultural. The hint is in the name. He was the 20th century character. Very high camp. Used to wear a cape. He saw me smiling and stopped. You know who I mean. Anyway, why didn't you fix yourself up? Being in a wheelchair must be a terrible inconvenience. I don't mind being inconvenient, I said. It's a reminder anyway. A reminder? Un souvenir de quoi? That I'm alive. Francois thought about that for a moment. But what about all the people here? The ones who have to go around you? Or the waiting staff who have to move le table? You'd make their lives so much easier if you had legs. Oh, fuck em. You know what it's like to lose your legs. Francois blanched a little, which was nice. I hadn't realized his emotional range extended to embarrassment. Losing your legs is worse than losing your train of thought, I said. Worse than losing your patience. Worse even than losing an argument, let alone your dignity. When you have a loss like that, you know why I don't get new danglers, despite all the drawbacks? I couldn't face losing them again. Simple as that. Francois looked at me strangely. You know, for a man who is responsible for teaching AI's empathy, you are a very strange person. He said. Oh, thank you, I said. I took it as a genuine compliment. Frida returned from the powder room and resumed her seat between us, oblivious to our chat, her handbag strapped tight by her side as she sat down. More drinks! Jacques called out. A robotic track beside us started up and new drinks appeared on its conveyor belt in moments. Frida turned her shoulder to me, returning to their conversation, almost drowned out by the band that had come back on after a short break. I pretended to watch the band again, but I turned up the pickup on my left implant and directed it straight at the Frenchman and Frida, my vocoder on in case I missed anything. I got every word, and it was intrigue from the get-go. You have got to join Ellipsis. But why me? I myself personally are asking you. As a friend, we just cannot get enough staff. Jacques leaned in, touching Frida's arm. With the outbreak, the entire Sector 8 here is out of commission. That's three million, un, deux, trois, in the million qualified people out of circulation. Mark Seven, he's having a total freak out. Oh, I can't go, Frida said. 
the back of her head to me momentarily, the music almost blocking her out. It wouldn't be fair to Gordon. I tried not to blush as I stared at the band. I hope she didn't think I was clingy. I was a little bit clingy if I'm going to be brutal about myself. Clingy? Think baby monkey in a lab test hugging a furry robot. Think about some ivy. Think of a despot in a bunker. I was desperate not to lose her, but still, I didn't want her to think that. You're wrong. You'd be perfect for this job, and the doctor won't mind. We can find him a job too, Francois said. Frida rubbed her nose and covered her mouth. You know I do signal research, not space stuff. Bien sûr, that's one of the reasons I'm asking you. We are on the cusp of something huge, and these guys, they're in an echo chamber. We need people from outside. And let me tell you, on the secret, this promises to be next level. I have something to show you. Here, that slime ball made an involuntary flick of the eyes in my direction. He wanted to show her something, did he? I just bet he did. That's what I thought at the time, which only goes to show how naive I was. But we have got to go up there. He finished, pointing to the ceiling. I focused as hard as I could on drinking the tequila sunrise the Ellipsis corporate account had just paid for while I glued my eyes to the band. The balaclavaed one was standing on a revolving stool, screaming like a banshee and nearly falling off. It was quite the show. Frida covered her mouth again, patting it with a napkin from under her Manhattan this time. What is it exactly you want to show me? Tomorrow. I looked straight at Jax then. He blinked in surprise. Bring Monsieur le Docteur. He added, smiling and speaking louder, toasting me with his glass. Frida looked over at me, more than a little embarrassed. I'll take you both. Jacques called out across the band, nearly deafening my pickup. I had to force myself not to flinch. Have you ever been to the moon, Monsieur le Docteur? It will be a flat fantastic. Jacques-Francois cheesed both of us then, and I found myself looking into the rather red end of the sunset in my glass, wondering just exactly what kind of a flight of fantastic he had in mind. You have been listening to Stalin, a space oddity. For more information, visit kitfantasy.com.